Welcome everybody to this episode of my podcast, Did It Anyway. My name is Baron Grant and I'm really excited to take you on a journey today uh, with a good friend of mine, um, Luke Bonner. And I've got Luke here with me today. He's going to share some of his story and we're going to explore um, some parts of his story that um, where he had went through some really challenging times, but not just the challenging times. We're going to explore what he was thinking during those challenging times and how he was o- able to overcome some of the challenges in his life to be in a pretty good situation uh, that he's in now uh, in his life. And so we're going to, I'm going to introduce you to Luke. Luke, how are you? Yeah, good. Thanks, Bess. Thanks for having me. Oh, no, thanks for being here. Really appreciate it. So why don't we get started? I, I, I think while we, I met you, Luke, probably how many years ago now? Probably 10 years ago? Um, no, it would have been probably a bit longer than that, maybe 12, 13. And you just moved over from <coughs> New Zealand. That's right, isn't it? <coughs> yes, I did. Correct. That would be right. Yeah. So after Luke moved over from New Zealand, we got to know each other for a little while and then um, and then he got married to Christy. And I think that's probably a good place to start the story. Is that is that probably fair, Luke? Yeah, sure, sure. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, maybe a little bit about yourself and where your story started, because I think this is probably where some of the challenges started, mm. I guess. So I'll, I'll hand over to you and jump in as we go through. Um, so obviously... Um uh, my name's Luke Bonner, and um, originally from New Zealand, and um, I suppose I had a bit of a shaky upbringing, probably like most people. Um, parents are pretty hard on you, and um, uh, brought up around a lot of violence and um, gang-related sort of incidents and stuff like that in New Zealand, but um, I think for the most part, um, I think there was a time in my life where... Um, everything was repetitious, so I needed something to change in my life. So um, off I went on my journey to Australia, and um, uh, you know, on that journey, I uh, decided that I need to make some big changes in my life to to f- refocus myself and to become the person that I always wanted to become. So, um, and that sort of led me to uh, come down to Melbourne and <clears throat> surrounding myself with really good people and. Uh, one of those people just happened to be you. Yeah. And so we got to know each other probably over the, <coughs> over the next few years pretty significantly. We mm. lived pretty close to each other and um, got to know each other pretty well. And um, I guess you made some big changes in your life mm-hmm. um, up to that point, as you just mentioned. Um, but could you tell us a bit more about um, what you did after you got to Australia and, and what sort of what were some of those changes that you made? Um, I think I quickly recognised that... Um, it was a bit of a land of opportunity for myself, so um, and I didn't want to make the same mistakes or continue to uh, revolve around the same circle as I did uh, back home in New Zealand. So I knew I needed to make some sort of changes, and uh, through various circumstances, I found myself in a situation where um, I needed to go down to Melbourne. <clears throat> uh, things just weren't working out for me in um, Sydney at the time, so off I went on my journey to... Uh, Melbourne and um, I knew that uh, I, had, I had an auntie and an uncle down there and um, they were they were religious um, and it's nothing that I really sort of um, thought about too much or dived in too much um, but I figured if there was um, ever going to be an opportunity for me to make change that I had to sort of uh, involve myself or uh, wrap myself around what or investigate maybe a little bit about what they were about and uh, what made them tick. So uh, off I went on my journey, and um, I can still remember it was New Year's Eve was the last time I 
ever touched anything according to alcohol cigarettes or whatever it may be um and i went down to melbourne and um i started on this journey i suppose of self-discovery and um and uh of change and immense change that it was you know i i uh, as a result i i met some really good people and surrounded myself with some really good people and uh over time that change became um more instilled in my values and more instilled within within me and um um yeah yeah and what did after you made those those bigger changes you met someone pretty important i guess which is christy i mentioned before can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> tell us a little bit about christy yes yes um yeah definitely um <clears throat> um i can remember i can still remember how it all unfolded even though it was many years ago um I can still remember I got a phone call, um, and I didn't get, I was, I was actually unwell, and I was on the couch, and I was laying down, and I remember I was watching a movie, I remember what that movie was about, um, and I had a voice message, and it was from a girl that I had no idea about, um, she said, hey, um, I, I know I don't know you, but I'd like to invite you to a party, so I was like, oh, wow, okay, well, um, so I rang up a friend of mine, actually, which um, at the time, um, which is now your brother's uh, wife, uh, but at the time they, they weren't married, um, and I rang her up and um, spoke to her and said, do you know this person? She said, yeah, she's fantastic, she's great, uh, blah, blah. So I said, all right, cool. So um, I thought I'd go to this um, um this party and uh, actually I turned up to this party and I didn't realize I went to the first house and I figured there was a bit of noise going on there and knocked on the door and I asked hey is Christy Olivier and I was, no no don't know no Christy so I went to the back and there was nothing happening there but I still knocked on the door and I think it was an old couple come to the door and I'm like oh is Christy Olivier and they're like no I says all right cool so I was on my way I walked down the driveway and I was just about to jump on my car and I sort of jumped on and uh, in the car and I was about to leave and I saw this car pop up and uh, this this girl walked out uh, jumped out of the car and I sort of jumped out and um, I said are you Christy and she said yeah and so um, we walked into the um, uh, we walked into the party together and we we chatted um, non-stop and I remember my back was really sore and I remember just standing there in aching pain but um wanting to keep the conversation going oh absolutely <laughs> like i was i was mesmerized because um when i first saw her i thought wow this she's she's a really beautiful looking um young lady a woman and um it was funnily enough there was another guy there he was trying to maybe he was trying to snatch my lunch you know what i mean <laughs> um and um but anyway he had no game that night so um <laughs> Yeah, so we, we chatted for like two, two and a half hours non-stop. Um, didn't really pay attention to what, what was happening. I didn't meet anyone else in the party, really. Um, and we sort of walked out. Uh, and uh, I think, I, you know, and she was getting back to her car and I knew, you know, and I suppose some people talk about that they know that uh, when you know, you know that you want to be with someone. And I knew in that moment that that's, uh, that was the person I wanted to be with. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And so fast forward a few months, Luke, um, and yeah, what you you end up marrying Christy, obviously. Yeah. And so, mm. how tell us a little bit about 
a little bit about that and and then probably the a little bit more about um, when Christy started to get sick. Um, well, actually, she was already sick when I met her, and that's why I sort of didn't mention anything just before, but uh, the movie I was watching at the time when she left that message was, was about a woman who had cancer, um, specifically breast cancer, and um, I thought it was a bit ironic, and I sort of had, it was, was doing that at the time, and um, I didn't realise at all, be, um, and it wasn't until... Um, because after that night that we went to the party, I knew I knew this was the person I wanted to be with, and I knew that I would marry this person. You know, and it may seem strange to some people, but you know, ironically, I did. Um, so it did work out for me. Um, but my parents were over from New Zealand, and um, give and take, I'd only met her on the Friday, and I I asked her if she wanted to come to dinner and meet my parents on the Sunday. Oh, ouch. <laughs> Because I knew my parents didn't come over to uh, Australia very often, so I knew I wanted to, I, w- I knew I wanted them to meet the person I was going to marry. So I knew 100% in my mind I was going to tell them in a, in a period of time, hey, I'm going to marry this girl, and I wanted them to meet her. So um, and they loved her. They they should they thought she was such an amazing woman, an amazing girl, and um, so yeah. But um, I think after that day, so it was a Sunday um that she met my parents and i'm i met up with her on the monday and went around to her house um and spent time with her and i spent time with her every single day after that (laughs) awesome and when did you find out that she was sick um i don't recall um but i do remember um just um funnily enough the the night she went to the party um she had just gone in for uh, chemotherapy was either the day before or i think it was the day before or it was that day no i don't think it was that day i think it was the day before um and it was almost a miracle that she was not feeling uh that she was feeling great and well she could enough. still function and stuff like that and, and so she had breast cancer correct yes yep. yes Okay. And so right from the start, so she was sick right from the start when you got to know her, mm-hmm. really. Um, how long later did you get married? Uh, we got married a year long. No, no. So we probably we probably got married nine months later after I met her. Yep. Mm. And uh, I mean, you. this is close to my heart because Christy and Luke um, were our best friends at, at that time. And we would spend a lot of time together with uh, with them. And I remember sitting in a, in a, uh, it was Michelangelo's, a, a restaurant. And at one point you said, Hey, you know, um, Christy's in remission. <laughs> and I remember that, that discussion, that was a pretty exciting dinner. We all went out to dinner and, and we had that discussion, but it wasn't long later, Luke, that, um, you had to go back to the hospital with her and, um, and you know, she, yeah, well, she didn't end up coming out of that experience. Mm. And and could you tell us a little bit more about that part? I mean, your 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 relationship had grown over eighteen months, I guess, or so. Or you've been married for a little while now. And how did you feel at that moment when um, when she went back into the hospital? Um, <sighs> the reason why we went back to the hospital because she started getting a lot of pain, and uh, we couldn't figure it out. Um, she went and got a few blood tests. Uh, we went to the hospital to get a checkup, and I remember we—I can still remember—we went in and um, 
we were speaking to the doctor and she goes, look, your blood tests come back and your, um, uh, your tumor meters or whatever they were called um, at the time are really, really high. And, you know, I think it's just one of those things where you, it's like a surreal moment. You're like, what? So what does that mean? And what does that mean for my wife? And what does that mean for us? And, the, you know, we, I didn't physically ask these questions, but I'm thinking that in my in my head because I didn't want to uh, seem weak or I didn't want to seem like I was questioning things and I wanted to feel really strong uh, for my wife at that time. So... And I can still remember looking over to the um, the doctor and you know and just realizing like how how cold they can be at times. You know what I mean? Like how easy it is for them to give people such devastating news. And as as much as that's part of their job and stuff like that, um, and I completely understand that. Um, but I remember, I remember for whatever reason that was part of my thought process there, and um, you know. The doctor walked out for whatever reason to maybe get more um, more test results or whatever like that. And um, I remember turning to my wife at the time and, um, you know, we, we both started crying, you know. And she was just like, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to go on with this? And so it was uh, it was, a, it was another real big turning point for us um, at, and, at that time. And how long after um, you got that news did she pass away? Uh three days later yeah so it happened pretty quick happened really really quickly she um yeah she declined um she went downhill really really quickly so it went from we were in um in one hospital and um she just yeah things she just yeah just got really bad um i can still remember you're right mate I can still remember we went to, um, and they didn't have any rooms. We went to the emergency room because <clears throat> that's the only place they could really hold her. And I wouldn't, <clears throat> I wouldn't leave her bedside. Maybe you set up a mattress next <laughs> to her bed. <laughs> I mean, for the first couple of nights, I was sleeping on chairs and. It's very uncomfortable. Um, but I knew that I, uh, I knew I didn't want to leave her side and, uh, <clears throat> I suppose everything leading up to that point, uh, you know, that, that's what made me feel like that. Like, she was the most remarkable person. And uh, I'd never met a person who could, um, you know, not that our relationship was amazing all the time, but I never met a person who made me feel as wonderful and as amazing as, as what she did to me. You know, she was like, uh, she was like the perfect girl for me in every aspect, in every format. And um, made me feel like I could conquer the earth and... Um, you know, made me feel like, uh, constantly made me feel like I was, I was number one. And, um, I suppose for a lot of people out there, um, 
they can probably relate that um, you know especially men men are very much uh, affirmation people and um, she knew how to give that on a constant uh, on a daily basis without any expectation of return and um, um, you know it's not until you're exposed to that that you realize how wonderful and how amazing of a gift that can be you know so after after Christy passed away how did how did you cope with that situation and what were some of the feelings that you felt um well going off that like um i remember she got moved to um i suppose it was an icu unit kind of thing um and she was still okay i can still remember actually when we got transferred from one hospital to the other and i was so unsure about what was going to happen and i um she was getting transported in um, an ambulance to the hospital and I was in the car following behind and I, I cried constantly all the way there. I just bawled my eyes out all the way to the hospital because I wanted to get it out of my system because I wanted to be strong for her and I didn't want her to see that emotion because I knew what she was like and I knew if she, the moment she saw emotion in me, she would express that emotion as well. So I was trying really to be strong and trying to hold everything together. It wasn't until we got to the hospital and the nurses and the doctors didn't want me to stay. And I said, look, at the end of the day, um, you're not kicking me out. You're like, I'm not going anywhere. I don't care what you say or what you do. I'm sleeping beside my wife. Um, and um, and I did for, for those days. Um, I only left for a, a couple of hours to go home and have a shower while her sister sat there with her and... And um, I can still remember it like it was yesterday. Um, I was sleeping right next to her, like un under her bed sort of thing. Um, and I remember getting woken up by feeling or thought, whatever people want call it, call it a prompting, saying, get up, get up now. And I got up and I got to her bedside. It was very early in the morning. And... The moment I got up to her, she was sleeping, but the moment I got to her side, she started struggling. And then all the, I sort of don't remember much after that, but all the beeps and all the sirens and all things were going off and they rushed me out. And I, I imagine they, were, they started doing CPR on her and uh, I got rushed into another room. I quickly rang her family. I said, look, you guys need to get up here now. It's not good. So, um, and I just remember sitting in the room and I don't remember how long it was for um, at that particular time. <clears throat> but her sister and her dad made it up. And um, her sister sort of said, look, the family are on their way. And then I think it wasn't too long after that that the doctors came in and sort of told me, look, you know, I'm really sorry she hasn't made it. And uh, <clears throat> I remember thinking, like, oh, no, this, this doesn't happen to me. Like, like, we had a good life and things were going well. Like, you know, no, this happens to other people. This doesn't happen to me. And um, I remember the, the doctor, I can just remember her sister was crying and her dad was crying and they were hugging and I didn't want to be next to them and, 
uh, the doctor was trying to comfort me and I didn't want to be next to him but I remember getting up and I can still remember I got up and I, I just walked over to the window and I was just looking out the window and now I looked out the window and I was looking outside the hospital window and I could see everyone was still moving and still functioning and still just you know like everything's normal for them and I just remember in that moment thinking like nothing and no one stops for you no matter what the circumstances are no matter like you know if I if I was to die tomorrow like the world just doesn't stop for no one it just keeps moving it keeps moving you know and in that moment you've got people who are really hurting and you know there's a lot of heartache at them and um yeah you know what I mean and you know there the rest of the day was sort of, you know, a bit of a blur and um, it was really tough seeing, you know, everyone for the first time and seeing what had happened and, um, you know, sort of all the focus and all the, everybody's attention sort of focuses really on you, but, you know, you sort of want to be left alone for a bit. Yeah. Mm. So how, so the weeks and months following Christie's death, how did you... How'd you, how'd you keep going? Obviously, you were super close and had an amazing relationship with Christy. How do you then step into that next phase of your life? And what is your mindset like? I'd love to know a little bit more about that. Um, I think there's there's two components to it. There's uh, there's a spiritual side. And, um, and then there was the way I was brought up. So back in New Zealand, being part Indigenous, um, being a Māori heritage, um, being brought up around death was probably not an uncommon thing. Um, um, so um, getting used to that side of things and uh, I suppose the understanding and the process of it, like I saw a lot of what my family, my mum, my dad's side, you know, cousins, aunties, uncles and all that sort of thing, I saw the way they used to deal with uh, these sort of things and it was very much, a, look, you know, life moves on. And you just got to get on with things. So um, add that to my spiritual side. Um, I very much knew that I just had to focus on putting one foot in front of the other. Um, I relied heavily upon a lot of friends around me at that time and um, and focused on that. And um, But I suppose it's not until you get on the other end of it that you're sort of right out of it that uh, that you truly realize um, how it impacts you and and how it's changed you because it does it, it hasn't such an impact that it does change a part of your life uh, forever because um, that person can never be replaced um, and that person has left such an impact on your life that um, in some ways you want to live um, live up to that expectation or maybe whatever it was that uh, those dreams and those goals that you had together, you want to you want to continue to live them on as as almost a legacy and in, in, in their name to a certain point. But um, um, yeah, yeah. So is there over the subsequent months you um, obviously started to heal and, mm. and go through that process? But um, it was probably only eighteen months, two years later that you got remarried. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you want to, you don't need to talk to us too much about the detail, but <laughs> that didn't go so well. Could you tell no, us a little bit about that? Um, oh, hindsight's a beautiful thing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, um, you know, and, um, you make sometimes decisions and choices based upon emotionally where you're at in life. And, um, I think that was one of them. 
um, looking back on it. Um, not that I was looking for a substitute, not that I was looking for someone to fill that void uh, to that degree, but um, companionship was really high on my so you come over from you come over from um, New Zealand. You didn't really have much family here, and no. so you're now by yourself because Christy's passed away. Mm, mm. Um, was that part of your thinking to get married quickly? I guess because it was lonely. How did you feel? Um, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, I very much did feel lonely, um, and that, I suppose that's one of the things that uh, widowers um, probably can attest to is. Um, um, it's probably the biggest thing you, you miss is just that companionship, um, you know, because um, as much as you don't want to say it, like over time, like those memories do fade. Um, you know, if you didn't have photographs of that, you would, you would somewhat forget how that looked, and um, you know, you never forget how they made you feel. Yeah. Um, but some of that stuff you sort of, you know, you do forget. So, um, you know, you you start socializing slowly and. Um, you know, and I suppose it was never my intention to um, to move forward that quickly, but um, yeah, it sort of it happened, and um, I was in the circumstance that I was in. You know what I mean, I thought it was the right thing for me, and you know, I suppose looking back on it, um, um, I'm not going to sort of um, if I could. You know, I'm sure many people, if they could make different decisions and choices, they would to a certain degree, but. Um, it wouldn't allow me to be where I am now. It wouldn't allow me to have the experience and the knowledge, understanding that I have now. So, as much as it was a really horrible experience, and uh, to be honest, the emotion attached to a divorce, and because um, I suppose now I've experienced both sides uh, of the coin of, of both things, is was far worse than uh, losing my wife. Because I suppose. Um, with one, I didn't have a choice. And with the other, I did. You know what I mean? So I think that's what made it really hard and tough for me. So the feelings of losing Christy were more loss. But what were the feelings you had when when you were divorced from your second wife? What were those feelings that you felt um, personally? I, 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 I didn't realize probably at the time that there was emotion boiling up from um, that I probably didn't deal with yep. um, with Christy. Um, um, so a lot of that probably bought up and bought over um, um, during that process so it was a very hard thing because um, you know it's a very deep sense of loss you know what I mean um, maybe it's what could have been what should have been um, um, maybe it's the fact that sometimes it's not you know for me personally with the divorce it wasn't my choice it wasn't my decision uh, was a decision made by her, so um, you know maybe that's hard to take as well. Yeah. Uh, when the ball's not in your court, you know what I mean. Did you feel sense of failure, or was there? Oh, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, definitely. Um, great sense of failure. Um, uh, my my parents have had, you know, they had a very volatile relationship growing up, and um, you know, through everything that they went through, they still managed to keep it together. You know, it was yeah. was a no behalf of my father, but it was all to do with my mum. You know what I mean? So, and that was my pillar of strength. It was always my pillar of strength. Um, so, you know, I figured like if if my mum can do it, or if my if if they can do it, then absolutely I can do it. You know what I mean? And um, 
So how did you how did you deal with those feelings? Like so, you come you, you, your first wife's died. You, mm. How old were you? 30, 31, somewhere around there. Oh, 30, yeah, 30, 31. And then you get remarried, and now you've been divorced. Mm. Um, at I don't know, thirty three, thirty four, whatever mm. it was. How do you how do you how do you cope with that? How do you deal with those feelings of like you mentioned your feelings of failure because you watch your mum and dad deal with that situation better than what you felt you had? Mm. How did you switch your mind to to just not you know sit in a in a heap in the corner and and think that your whole life is over? Um, friends, um, positive thinking, um, a, a number of things. I suppose you can't just uh, pinpoint it down to one thing. Yeah. And it took a lot of time. Like, it's not like it happened overnight. Um, I was probably a pest <laughs> to, to quite a few people. And, and and it's funny how, and I've seen other friends go through it since, and um, there's a pattern. There's very much a pattern in what happens, and it's repetition. Um, you know, and it doesn't matter how many times um, you can... It's it's like a it, it's a very hard thing to explain because it doesn't matter how many times you say it to somebody you want to keep saying it. You don't care who you say it to, you just want to keep saying it because you, uh, maybe it's a sense of you feel like the more you can talk it out, the less it'll hurt. But yeah. that's not the case. So what did your friends offer, like in regards to helping you through both both the the death of Christy and the breakdown of your second marriage? What did they offer? How did they help? Ah, uh, food, food was important. food. <laughs> <laughs> food was very important. Um, just support, um, just support from um, from a perspective of just uh, a listening ear. Um, Sometimes, you know what I mean, um, the last thing you want to hear is what you've done wrong yeah. in a circumstance where you can't change it. Um, so very hard to, um, and, and you get that, uh, even through Christie's passing away, you know, um, and through that is, um, you know, there's, there's a, you know, it gets to a point where, especially when Christie passed away, it got to a point where um, you didn't want to dwell on the because you go to a level where you're unhappy with your emotions and you're very um, sad and um, you know it takes time to climb yourself up on certain levels and to get those levels up slowly where you're you're really comfortable with yourself and you stay at that level for a little while and then you climb up another level and you know your goal is to obviously be happy again and and to be you know fully functioning and to keep that memory alive but not dwell on it um was there one thing i think that's a really good point so you're sort of climbing the ladder one piece at a time mm. but you almost like stop on a spot for a little while and mm. get better there and then move up to the next one Absolutely. what was the constant thing in your life you think that helped you to, to just make those little steps forward um a focus um so and what are that whatever that is um for everybody, every, everybody's different. Um, but you've you've got to have a focus. You've got to have a goal. You've got to have something to uh, channel your energy into. So, um, what was your goal? Um, always, always the same: to have a family, to have a family, so support my family, uh, to you know, just to create an environment which I never had growing up uh, through no fault of my mother. 
Um, and even now that I'm older, through no fault of my dad, uh, I don't blame him for the physical abuse or the way that he was. It was just, that was just how he thought was right. And I don't judge him for his his actions or his, um, um, for his behavior. You know what I mean? It was just, that's what he thought, you know what I mean? And for whatever reason, that's the way he dealt with things. And, um, you know, I don't accept that that was good behavior, but I accept that, that, you know, that's, that was part of my life and I move on. Yep. And I, I guess I, the reason that I wanted to interview you, I guess, as one of my first interviews, Luke, was because I felt like I watched that pretty close throughout yeah. that whole process. Um, and as we discussed the other day, you've been through the ringer. It's probably a good way to describe it. It's one term. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I've been amazed at where you found where where you are now. Yeah. Like how you've been able to to take all these challenges. Mm. And there's one more that I want to discuss. But mm-hmm. to take these challenges and and to be at a place where you are now mm. to me is is unbelievable. Mm. Um, so the probably in, in a sh- these things happen in a pretty short period of time. Mm. Um, another one was the loss of your brother, mm. and and that was not that long. After all this stuff happened, yeah. um, I'm not sure how long it was after your divorce. Um, Probably a little while. A little while. Would have been um, five, six, probably seven years. Right. But I remember telling the story to friends of mine going, how much can this bloke take? Like, <laughs> I reckon I'd told the story to half a dozen people and just sort of said, oh, this this guy's had a rough go. Mm. Uh, and And... So I'd love to know a little bit more, not too much detail, I guess, about your brother. But mm. so your brother passed away. Yep. Um, how did he pass away? Uh, he, he took his own life. So um, suicide was uh, obviously um, the term that they use. But um, that was probably the hardest um, for me to take personally. And that's the one that probably lasted the longest that I had to deal with. Um, it's been um, three years, over three years now. And for the first two years, I deeply struggled with that. Somewhat went into my shell to a certain degree. Um, shut off a few friends. Um, not that it was intentional. Um, um, it affected my work life, uh, affected my family. Um, not that it, I was outwardly expressing it, but I didn't realise that it was affecting me that much. Expect affected my spirituality, um, so yeah, yeah, it deeply affected me, and I think to the core of why it affected me so much is because the rock of my life uh, growing up, and who I turned to a lot, my mum, was just, um, was destroyed, and um, that was the hardest thing to watch, and um, the heartache and the torture that my mum was going through it was like it was really really hard um to observe um, um yeah it was was a really hard thing to do so um yeah so was the process still the same did you still lean on friends uh through that period of time as much or no no i didn't shut away more like you said yeah i did i did shut away a bit more because um a very different circumstance um you know, um, there's always a sense of regret, a sense of I could have done more, I should have done more. There was certain, you know, there was opportunities there where I could have reached out to him more, and um, even opportunities for him to um, 
to take a different journey in life. Um, but, um, yeah, the moment I came to accept it uh, for what it was, and I never judged him for what he did, um, and I was never in a, a place I had friends or I knew of people that had done done it in the past, um, taken their own life. Um, and unfortunately, it's a, it's a growing uh, thing happening in our communities. Um, like, it's, I suppose it's not until it comes close to you that you realise um, how it can affect you and also... Um, That you almost want to uh, protect their their um, their legacy or protect who they were to a certain point and to a certain degree. Yeah. So look, you had all these things happen one after the other, and we've spoken about you know Christy, and we've spoken about um, Catherine and the divorce, and we've spoken. We didn't mention her name before, but Catherine <laughs> and the divorce. Are you ready to do that? <laughs> <laughs> and then we've spoken about. Uh, uh, your, your brother mm. um, taking his own life. These are significant events. And like we discussed before, mm. I, I've told the story to some people and sort of said, you've just gone through the ring of this bloke. And mm. when's he going to get a cut? When's he going to get a, a chop out? When's something going to go well for him? And, and I feel like that's happening. And I'd love you to tell us a bit about that. I guess now you're in a situation where um, you're married mm. and running your own business. Mm -hmm. And you said to me just before that it's, you got so much work that you're turning work away. Definitely. Um, and so that says to me that you're in a better spot uh, than where you were previously. Mm. How did you get there? How did how did you deal with what happened? And how did you get to where you are? I think uh, when you get to the core of it, I think it comes down to acceptance. Um, the moment you can accept um, whatever is happening in your life and then take accountability, if there is accountability to be taken... Um, and try and move forward from that with some sort of understanding and take some good from it, then um, your life starts to be put back on track. So I think it's all about perspective. Um, and there's times and places where you're allowed to. You're allowed to be, um, you know, in a sad or unhappy state. You know what I mean? It's not being too harsh or hard on yourself or putting too much pressure on yourself, regardless of what other outside circumstances are or external forces are putting those pressures on you. It's uh, understanding that all and, and putting that into perspective. And um, I think um, at the end of the day, like I'm no different to anyone else. And I'm sure, you know, parts of my story, are, you know, ring a bell with a lot of people out there. Um, so I think, you know, as, as much as it's, it's hard and it's tough, it's just part of life. Um, and uh, the way you try and deal with it, the way I particularly try and deal with life is I try and be as positive as I can. Um, and that's, you know, that hasn't come overnight. It's come through various circumstances and reading a lot of material and understanding different other people's different perspectives and other people's uh, insights to life and stuff like that. And it's taking a leaf out of everyone's book and, um, and trying to adapt it to your unique footprint um, because we're all unique and different in our own way and um, trying to sort of uh, create my own track in life and, um, and leave my own legacy or um, create my own journey and, uh, and you know, what that looks like it can change from day to day, um, month to month. Um, and, uh, but I think uh, for the most part, it's, 
you know, being positive, trying to be uplifting and uh, trying to always put yourself in um, the other person's shoes or boots and or uh, just trying to look at a different side of, you know, you know, and I suppose the the cliche um, saying is, you know, things could always be worse. Yeah, you know I mean, and regardless of where you are, I suppose, you know, depending on your mindset. Uh, my mindset was somewhat that it was, you know, I just, I know tomorrow the sun will shine again. I know to, you know, you know, as much as my circumstances are bad, I'm sure, and I have no doubt, you could add other elements to it that could make it worse. So I'm grateful for what I have and what I how I'm able to support that and how I'm able to be in a position where I can cope with that emotionally, financially or whatever it is. So being grateful and uh, I suppose seeing through the mist and the darkness uh, to see the light because there is light then there's always light. There's always good things in any circumstance but um, you know, it takes experience and takes sometimes uh, a lot of digging just to really find the gold, you know what I mean? So if you were to put you on the spot here just a little bit, if you were to think about those three main times in your life that were really challenging over the last little while, I'm sure there were other times as well, but yeah. over the last little while, you said there's light in every situation. What is something that you can look at each of those situations? So if you look at, you know, Christie's death, what was the the uh, the good part of 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 that that you can look at and go, hey, that was. I'm glad that this part happened mm. amongst all that horrible stuff. This is what I learned out of that experience. And, and so too with those other two experiences as well. Can you think of something, that perspective that you gained for each one, one thing potentially for each of those experiences? Yeah, I think it's kind of ironic because you wish in some way you could encapsulate and hold and uh, bottle up the emotion attached to that because yeah, it's all about perspective. And yeah, it doesn't matter the circumstance and, you know, your perspective on life, your priorities change remarkably for a time. Yeah. You know, they don't always stay like that and you wish they would because the way you look at life, the Good way point. you approach things, um, you know, it's, it's completely different for that time. Um, and you, you're kinder, you're more gentler. Um, you, you take a bit more time to do things than you normally would. Um, you look at things a little differently than you normally would. You know what I mean? Rather than seeing things superficially, you can sometimes look deeper into it. You know what I mean? Because you're taking time. It's not about rushing the process. You're taking that time because you realize how precious time is. And um, yeah, I suppose, you know, you wish. And there are times where I suppose it rises back up and someone passes away or other circumstances in your life and it brings back that perspective again and you're just like wow you know what i mean i got caught up in life again once again i got caught up in the the riffraff and the rat race and trying to chase this and trying to chase that as, as much as it's about trying to create this lifestyle and trying to create this thing for your family you do get caught up in it if you allow it uh which i, I do i get caught up in it don't we all um <laughs> So, yeah, I, I, I wish there was a way where you could, you know, put it in a jar and just remind yourself, get a get a drink of it and get a whiff of it. <laughs> maybe we need just, to write it down. Yeah. Oh, maybe, we, maybe we need to be better at that, Luke. Maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I need to um, 
document some of these things a bit better and, and go back on it. But once again, it's it's you know, reminding yourself to do these things and things yeah. like that. You know, what I mean? so um, I think there's a lot to be said about about writing those experiences down. I yeah. think there's been a couple of things that I've taken out of our discussion um, today, Luke, and you might want to add to these if you think there's more that I could have put put down. But one thing that really stood out to me was acceptance of whatever is happening and then taking accountability. Mm. You know, we all have challenges that we face in our life and I feel like you've faced more than your fair share, I guess, or from my perspective outside looking in. Mm. Mm. Um, as a friend, I, I felt like you've really gone through the ringer a little bit and for you to say that, you know, we've just got to take acceptance and and then take accountability and just continue to move forward. Mm. I think that was that was really encouraging to me. Um, you mentioned about friends and how important they were, not only just providing your food, but just the listening ear. And, mm. and so I took out of that, that maybe as friends, we could just listen. If we could just listen just a little bit more and maybe not always give our judgments or uh, opinions so readily on somebody else's situation, mm. I think that might be helpful as well. Was there any other parting sort of comments that you wanted to mention, uh, mention now? Um... Um, I think everything, um, you know, our journeys in life and everything that we do, everything that we're trying to achieve is, I think as long as it's um, for something, as long as it means something, um, then um, hopefully when you achieve it, it, it means what you expect it to achieve. And for the most part, I don't think it does. And like, you know, and I've been reading into and looking at a lot of things and... Um, I love there's a saying from Jim Carrey. You know, Jim Carrey's got a saying out there, and he goes, "You know, I, I hope that everyone becomes rich and famous, only to find that that's not the answer." Yeah, I like it. You know what I mean? And I love that because uh, we're so consumed, so obsessed with achieving something that sometimes we may never achieve, or we may never get to that level that we miss all the good parts in our life, the, the things that God has given us just on a readily basis that yeah. are just right at our feet all day, every day. The sun, the, you know, the earth, the trees, the birds, family, children, relationships, all those things that encompass who we're here to be and who we're here to try and become. And we lose that perspective so quickly because our focus changes so quickly you know what I mean and how you rectify that and how you turn that around well that's that's an individual thing and um, but for me personally I'm still on that journey um, as much as you know uh, things happen to people I'm still chasing that um, and I suppose essentially I'm trying to create a better life for my family and and um, things are going well uh, things are going good for me um, I think it's it's all a result of everything that I've been through and all the circumstances that I've had. Um, you know, and the bad experiences have created more good than I could ever have imagined. You know what I mean? So um, I suppose for people out there trying to focus and or to try and get rid of that bad, well, the good that's happened in your life will create more good than you ever will dream of because either it's, you know, you know, it's it's cut you and now you've got a scar and now you'll never you'll never forget that scar. So you'll you'll be a little bit more hesitant, you'll be a little bit more um wary of going down that track, which is a good thing. Yep. And we haven't mentioned um 
the, your wife now, Olivia. So we didn't even mention yes. her name, <laughs> but yeah, I know yeah. I know if we have now, and her her son Lockie as mm-hmm. well, and mm-hmm. and so we I know uh, myself and Davina, my mm-hmm. wife, we, we were really excited um, when you got remarried and happily mm-hmm. married with mm-hmm. with Lockie as well now, and and now a successful business. So from my perspective, outside looking in, it looks fantastic. <laughs> we never know we never know any challenges that people are experiencing, mm-hmm. but. Um, we're really excited to that you're in the situation you're in now in comparison to some of the other situations you've been in. So, Absolutely. So uh, I guess from my perspective, that's real success. Mm. And and we sometimes, like you said, we chase the stuff that's not not the most important. And if we could focus a little more on relationships and a little more on people as opposed to things, I think we're well served by doing that. So mm. I'm really grateful for you coming on and, and sharing yeah, your story with us today, Luke. It's, great to be here. I know that it's challenging to express some of those emotions and relive some of that, that past and can be quite painful. But I think there'll be people listening right now that are experiencing similar things like that. We don't know what's going on in people's lives. And um, I, I really hope there were some little things that can be taken away from this discussion that that you guys will be able to take and apply to your own lives that might be helpful um, mm. from what we discussed today. And I think just if there is people out there struggling in any way, just take time for yourself. Um, it's not a selfish behavior. Just take time to yourself. Uh, sometimes uh, solitude can be such a great insight to maybe what we're missing and what we're not doing or um, what we need to do to rectify things in our life. And uh, don't think it is a selfish thing. Think of it as a, a growth and um, you know, allow that time to refocus and um, and to put ourselves back on track because sometimes that's all we need is just a little bit of time to ourselves to um, sort of get back on the right frequency. Yep. Mm. I love it. Well, thanks so much for being in attendance on the podcast, having a listen today. Beautiful. Uh, if you love studio, yeah. Love... <laughs> if you please jump on, subscribe to my podcast. I'd love to have more of you. Uh, listening and also send us some people that you think might want to tell this story. Thanks very much, guys. Have a great one.